Great to see everyone here today. I'm glad you could all make it. Um, I'm going to embarrass my wife. One time, not too long ago, when everybody was sitting down and there was only one person standing, somebody pointed and said, it's your wife. <laughs> They're still up. <laughs> but that is great. We, we, we love the fellowship. But somebody, well, I don't, I don't want to say somebody has said, but, you know, we've been talking a lot over the past month about what would seem like a certain topic. It seems like a month of Sundays we've been talking about sin, and that can be a heavy subject, but the reason we're talking about that so much, first of all, is the season that we're in. We are in the season of Lent, and Lent is a time of reflection for us to be at one with who we are in Christ and to move into the expectation of the miracle of Christ's birth, or excuse me, Christ's resurrection as Easter approaches. Um, but see, the thing is, we really haven't been talking about sin. If that's the point that we picked up on, then, then I've not done a good job. What we've talked about is justification, is that, that God, in spite of our sin, loved us so much that, that he sent Christ to come into the world that, that we would be a redeemed people, that in spite of our sin, God doesn't hold us accountable for eternity for who we are, but instead offers a pardon and makes us a holy people through the act that he performs. And we talk about sanctification, our aspect of it, or, or our responsibility, that, that as Christians we grow into perfection as we walk out our lives with God. And that is something that is a very, very slow process and, and more than likely will not happen in our lifetime. But each time we address our sin, then we become more like the image of God. And that kind of brings us to the topic for today. Has anyone read the opening chapters for the book of Romans? Romans is one of the books that really addresses justification and sanctification in our walk with God. But the opening chapters to me is what really catches my attention because Paul when he wrote this letter to the people in Rome he opens it up talking about all these different types of sin that humanity has within its boundaries within their lives and he goes on to to list an entire paragraph or two of just one type of sin after another sin after another sin, that, that by the time you read it, you start thinking, wow, we are a sinful people. But we tend to miss that one little sentence that he throws in there that talks to us as a people, where he says, if you do these things, don't be so judgeful of others if they do the same thing that you do. You see, it's so easy for us as a people to, to look at what somebody else is doing and we be doing it ourselves and cause them in our own eyes to be a person of lesser value. And that's what we have to avoid because you sin and I sin. The only thing that separates me from sin is the blood of Christ. And it was that act that redeemed us and returned us to God. See, when Paul told us not to be so judgmental of others who do the same things we do, 
he was getting at this, that, that even in spite of sin, when there is justification and sanctification working, we still have reason to celebrate. And that brings us to our passage of Scripture today, Romans 8, verses 5 through 6. That's the, there we go. Paul said, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. This is the wrong passage. All right. I got it right here. Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today and thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather in your house to hear your word and to experience your love and all the things that we encounter today. Father, I ask that you be with me. Give me hope in the message. Give me words of inspiration. Empty me of my own desire to speak and fill me with your spirit that I speak words that would be edifying to your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lent is a wonderful time. I'm not one of these big people who really follows the liturgical calendar. A lot of these holidays that we have on our calendar, such as uh, Lent, uh, Ash Wednesday, and all these other things, were actually created by men. There's nowhere in the Bible that you're going to open up to where it says, on this time of the season, this time of the year, you are to honor God in this form or fashion. It doesn't say that. Never has, never will. But what man has done is this. They have come to understand God in humanity and how God works in all things. They recognize his character and his activity in daily life. And they have said, you know what? If we're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of our risen Lord, then maybe we need to take this opportunity to consider other aspects of Christ's life as we build toward that. See, a lot of times when we think about Lent, we think about, or for myself, the inner personal reflection. And I think I do that because Christ spent those 40 days in the wilderness dealing with his own temptation. And it was a grueling thing for him. And I know it was grueling. And here's how I know that it's grueling. Because when I deal with my temptation, I tend to break. I tend to cry sometimes because it hurts so much. And still, I have a tendency of failing and giving in to that temptation. And if I know that that hurt me that much, how much more did it cause the man to suffer who experienced temptation to its fullest extent and yet never failed? That says a lot about who he is. And it's not just in his human form, but who he is as a person of God and the deity of God. That he has the ability to not just overcome those temptations, but to live a life willing to take on that burden and responsibility to show us as a people that there is hope in life. No matter where you stand in your sin life, we all sin. We all have sin in our lives, and we have to address it. But it's not something that we need to just look at and see in the darkness. Because Paul said here that, that if we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, then that leads to something that God wants us to have, and that is 
peace and life. When we think about peace, we think about a lack of turmoil, and that's not necessarily an accurate view of peace. Because no matter what we do in life, no matter where we go, and no matter what we experience, there will always be some type of turmoil, whether in our relationships, in our community, in the world around us, or even within our own inner struggles to deal with temptation. That turmoil will always be present. But that peace, if we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, will also be present. And that peace helps us deal with the turmoil. It gives us a fighting chance. It tells us that we are not overtaken. And that is what adds to our life each and every day. When I think about setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, those things that lead to peace and life, I often think about David and the writings that that he left us in the book of Psalms. My most favorite psalm is Psalm 37 because it gives us so much hope and inspiration toward life. David said this. He said, trust in the Lord and do good and live in the land and enjoy security. And see, and I love that because I know David. I've read about him and I've seen his writings and I've looked into his writings and and I've seen the way that he has expressed himself and his love and gratitude toward God, not just for the good things that God has done, but for the many times that God has either overlooked his sins or offered forgiveness. As we remember, David, the very one who says this, trust in the Lord and do good, is the very one who had a marital affair. He wasn't perfect like me and you. He was imperfect, but his walk with God is what empowered him each and every day. His trust in the Lord. See, trust is, I think, a word that we may not fully understand. It's one that we use all the time. When I say to you, trust in me that I'm going to show up Sunday morning to, to preach a sermon, what you're really hearing is this, is me saying to you, you can rely on me to be here on Sunday morning to preach a sermon. So when we say that we can trust in the Lord, then what we're saying is this, is that we as a people can rely on God Almighty for all of our needs, not just in our home. If David said, if David meant that we could only trust and rely on God for provision in our home, that he would not have said to live in the land and enjoy its security. Land is a, is a broad area for us. We might consider the city of Bloomingdale our land. It's our home. It's where we live. It's where we work. It's, it's where we worship God. It's, it's where we depend upon one another to not just get through life, but experience it in full celebration of the things that God's done for us. But it's a choice that we have to do when we focus our minds on the things of the Spirit, and we, and we start to trust in God, it is a choice that we make. You see, I can live with doubt and fear in my life. I can wake up every morning and think, that how am I going to be fed today, or how am I going to pay the bills, or how am I going to care for the people that are in need? Automatically starting my time with doubt and confusion That is not trusting in the Lord. Now, those thoughts are real, and I will 
guess to say that many of us wake up in the morning and the first thing that comes into our mind is how are we going to do something or how are we going to face something? And I can almost guarantee that many of you will say the same thing. That at some point during those waking moments, we stop and we take charge of our thoughts. And we stop saying to ourselves and to one another, how are we going to do? And we say to ourselves and to one another that we will do because the Lord Almighty will provide. Our trust is in him for all things daily. And because our trust is in him and we know that he is a God who honors his word And we know that he is a God that that takes care of his people and his land. That we can enjoy that security so long as we choose to do so. It's always a choice. We can choose to go back into the darkness. We can choose to to dwell upon our sin. And we can choose to, to walk down that path that leads to destruction. Or we can choose to honor God in our thoughts and our duties daily. And I like what uh, David has to say after that. One uh, version of the Bible reads it this way. It's Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I like that he's pointing this out, but King James Version and the New King James Version has another four-little word in that statement. And it says this, Take delight in the Lord also. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And it's that also that that changes the conversation. Because it says something about who we are and where we live in our context with community. It says that not only do we get refreshing spiritual renewal from God and that we should delight in it, but it says also that that we have things in our life that bring us pleasure and comfort. And we don't have to separate those things from God. And I fear sometimes that as a people, that's what we do, that that we get so heavenly minded that we forget about all the earthly blessings that God has given us. That if I, as a husband, was so focused on doing nothing but delighting myself in God and forget everything else around me. I would forget to delight in the blessings of my wife and children that he gave me to not just care for, but to share in life's adventures. We remember that Jesus came into this world, he said, to to seek and save the lost, but that he also came to, to heal the blind, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the things that God has done for us. And he came into this world to give us, yes, a life of abundance. But it's a balancing act, I think. And I don't think God wants us to to be so heavenly minded that, that we ignore and miss all the wonderful blessings that he has for us. I think that would be a shame. But if we take ourselves and worship and honor God with our whole hearts and our whole minds and we give ourselves over to God completely that we will find a a new joy welling up inside of us because of that knowledge. You see, the more we know about God, the more we understand about God, then the more we connect with God. 
And I think that that discovery in, of God's character is a reason to celebrate. But we have to remember that in the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, man was created and given the responsibility to care for their surroundings. Now, it's true that we can spend so much time on all of our worldly deeds that we ignore God. But it's also true that we can spend so much time with our heads in the cloud that we can overlook the blessings that he has given us. And either way, I think that there would be a turmoil inside of us. But I think if we slow down and walk instead of run, then we can find that balance between both God and humanity and live that life of peace and comfort. And David goes on to say this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. No, I don't know about you. I say this a lot. I am not a patient person, not patient at all. I'm like a little kid on the month before Christmas morning. I'm always wanting to get to the prize. When I was a kid, and if I still ate uh, today's cereal, it would be the same thing. I would go to the grocery store. I would buy my box of uh, Rice Krispies or whatever it was, and, and I would come home, and I would rip the bag open and pour it out in the bowl so I could get to the prize at the bottom because I couldn't wait to, to eat my way to the bottom. I wanted the prize right then and there. And sometimes that the life we live, especially in today's society, when there's so much information and so much access readily available to us that we have become an impatient society. It's right here, right now. We want it. We got to do it. We got to move. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Isabel was watching one of her movies, uh, Major Pain, that she loves, and she likes to mimic uh, some, some scenes of the movie. And she comes through the house one day mimicking Major Pain, and she's, I think we were going to the store, and she comes out, let's go, people, let's go. we got to move, move, move. And I think that that's sometimes how we treat life, that we've got to have everything right here, right now. And we tend to stand back and say, okay, God, let's go, let's move, let's move, let's move. But God doesn't move any faster than he intends just because we are in a hurry. More than likely, I think that his desire would be for us to, to slow down and not, not overlook the day's opportunities. And I think it can be hard to slow down sometimes, especially when things seem chaotic or when things seem like maybe we're at a loss or maybe when things don't appear to be working in our favor it goes back to trusting God you see it may not look like God is doing anything to help you out right here right now and when it starts looking like that, there's a, a tendency to to want to grab hold of, of that circumstance and that cir- situation and take charge of it ourselves. And oftentimes when we do that, what we find is that, that our tools of righteousness 
are limited to achieve the task that we want. So instead of depending upon righteous acts, we start depending upon unrighteousness. What I mean is this, is that, that if something isn't working out the way that I want it to, instead of trusting God to work a little further ahead of me, I see that something has to happen. And instead of being godly and remaining to be an honest person or as honest as I can be, I might start thinking, well, it's okay to tell this one little white lie because it's not going to hurt anything. And it's going to adjust the path back to the way I want it to be. And see, and that's where we begin having difficulty understanding my will and God's will. God's will, his path is built upon righteousness. Telling even the smallest white lie doesn't align life back to God's will. But being honest and obeying his commands, regardless of the circumstances, keeps us on that path of righteousness. It may be that in that time of your life, God is not trying to say to you, accomplish the task that you have out in front of you. What he may be saying is, in this time in your life, let me see how much integrity you're willing to put upon yourself. It may very well be not just a test of your character to see if you're going to be worthy of the grand prize, but it may also be a building block to prepare you for that, to get rid of those aspects of your life to prepare you for that blessing that God has for you a little further down the road. But the lack of patience will definitely drive us off the path that God wants us to be on. But if we put our mind toward the Spirit and live in peace and grace, then we know that we can trust God to do it however He wants to. Now, I'm going to go not political here, but I want to address something. You know, one of the things that I hear from our community about something that's happening with our community. And that's the construction of warehouses. You know, every person has a a plan or an idea or a hope of, of how their community would grow. And it has come to my attention or my understanding, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me, but but people didn't have a big plan for warehouses to come into our community. They had a different dream or a different vision or a different idea of what the city of Bloomingdale should should do or how it should look. But if we think for one minute what our end goal really and truly is, it may look like this that the city of Bloomingdale becomes prosperous and it's able to provide for the needs of its community. We may not like the way God's doing it, but God's doing it. When I was younger, I wanted a car, and in my mind I had a specific type of car in mind, and it would look like a a 1969 Chevelle Super Sport with a, with a big 350 big block engine in it with, with dual pipes coming out the rear end of it. But the reality of what God gave me was a beat-up, rusted-out Chevelle, six-speed, three on the column. But it fulfilled the desire of my heart and that I did get a Chevelle and that that car provided transportation for me to go see my friends, family, and back and forth to work. 
Warehouses may not be the thing that we want or wanted. But it may very well be the thing that God uses to create the Bloomingdale that you've always dreamed of. Because they're going to bring in jobs and jobs brings in people. People brings in homes and more resources and more vitality to our area. So we may think that someone or something is is doing evil on our behalf, but in reality, God is using what we would consider that evil for our good, for the fulfillment of our desires. It's complex. I wish life was all black and white and that all we had to do was say to God, this is what I want and this is what he gives. But the reality is, is this. It is God's world and he can do with what he pleases. And what he pleases is to bless his children, each and every one. But it is up to us as a people to recognize that blessing. Sometimes it may not be comfortable in the processes, but we endure and we trust in God and maintain our integrity and honor God with the way we live. When we fail and when we succeed, we love one another and not judge one another, but find ways to to lift one another up. All in the name of God. So you see, I think that not only David, but Paul were both right. That when we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, instead of things of the flesh, we find adventure, we find excitement, we find a a path that leads to victory. And we find peace and life the way God intended. So I challenge you to join me this week as I look into our lives and our community and our church and help me to recognize the areas that I need to grow in to become more Christ-like and help us all to recognize that if we commit our way to God, that no matter what we encounter, peace, mercy, and life will always be present. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and thank you for the time that you've given us to come together as your children. And Father, I just ask that as we prepare to leave here today, prepare our hearts and minds to to be people of passion that want to seek you out in all things, in your word, in the lives of the people around us, and within the own thoughts and desires of our own hearts. Help us to love one another, love ourselves. Help us to forgive one another and forgive ourselves and accept your mercy on those days that we have trouble looking past our own sin. But help us to remember always that that the things that you work in our lives are for our good, that we may live a life of peace, a life of happiness, and a life of abundance. In Christ's name we pray, amen.